From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Right now, much of Ukraine is in the crosshairs of war. Russian troops continue to descend on the country and shelling is intensifying near the capital, Kiev, and in other cities, including Kharkiv and Mariupol. But as the war on the ground in Ukraine escalates, there's another battle playing out. A coordinated series of fake videos and social disinformation produced by Russia as justification for the invasion. Today, Ukrainian media scholar Eugenia Koznetsova on what's real and what's fake, and how disinformation could affect the outcome of the war. It's Wednesday, March 9. Hello, Eugenia. Hello. Hi, it's Ruby here. Hello, Ruby. How are you today? Um, fine, thanks. Maybe could you just start by telling me a little bit about who you are and, and where you are at the moment? Um, I'm now living in Spain, but originally I'm from Ukraine. So I'm basically before the war started, I, I lived between the two countries because I work in Ukraine. Mm. So you would have family in Ukraine at the moment? Yeah, my my mother, my sister, my nephews, all of them are in Ukraine at the moment, right. How are they going? Uh, they fled uh, Kyiv. They all came to a village house in the central Ukraine and they are trying to wait there what's what will happen next they left the big cities mhm mhm um well i yeah i hope they stay safe um it must be hard to be elsewhere when when something like this is happening in your home exactly exactly thanks and so eugenia the reason that i wanted to talk to you today is because of your work what you do because it's become very relevant to what's happening in ukraine right now so maybe you could just tell me about your work I'm a media researcher with focus on various types of disinformation, specifically in Ukraine and the territories occupied by Russia in Ukraine. And disinformation has always played a key role in the Russia-Ukraine conflict and Russia-Ukraine relations in general, at least since 2014. So, and right now we can also see that disinformation plays a key role in these unfolding war. And there, there we Ali, go. I've just heard uh, the first siren has just gone off. Uh, and I've been told by city officials that that indicates that this is a city under attack. And every time we hear about some shelling or attack, we are flooded with a huge flow of different uh, digital content, videos, posts, memes, news stories. I don't know whether it was explosion brought here and exploded or it was uh, rockets and I don't know who, uh, whom to trust. And it's difficult to tell what is true and what is not. Now Facebook and Twitter have just removed two anti-Ukrainian quote covert influence operations from their platforms. It's all to stop the spread of disinformation. NBC there is a deliberate disinformation that is done to harm people to particularly impact the lives of people to create chaos and to win on the information battleground. While this land war ensues, there's also a war of information and disinformation underway. Russia will surely try to take advantage of the media to justify its actions to the people of this country. Okay, and Eugenia, 
I wonder if in order to help us understand what's actually happening here, you could tell me about one particular piece of disinformation that is having an impact on the conflict in Ukraine, something that you might have seen on on social media. So let me give you a bit of context first. Putin has been pushing the narrative that Ukrainian government is illegitimate. So Russia has established two self-proclaimed unrecognized republics with centers in Donetsk and Luhansk in the east of Ukraine. Uh, So prior to the 2022 invasion, Putin has been pushing the narrative that people in these so-called republics have been under attack from the Ukrainian side for years. So there is one video that now has about half a million views on Twitter. And that video shows body cam footage of supposed Ukrainian and for some reason Polish saboteurs trying to blow up Russian chlorine containers. The video is pretty dark and grainy, there is a lot of gunfire. And this was framed as an attempt from the Ukrainian side to cause a chemical explosion. And after that video was published, the Russian-backed leader of the region made a video address. Without providing any evidence, separatist leader Denis Pushilin said Ukraine was preparing to attack separatist-held territory. Telling the population of those republics that they have to immediately evacuate to Russia because of the threat of a chemical attack from the Ukrainian side. Warning sirens echoed through the streets of the separatist-held city of Donetsk after the Moscow-backed leader there announced plans to evacuate civilians to Russia. It turned out that address was pre-recorded two days before the chemical attack. And that chemical attack video itself was fake as well. It was proven that it is fake based on metadata of the video And also, the sound of this video was also fake. It was taken from a Finnish military exercise published on YouTube back in 2010. Both videos worked in tandem to emphasize that Russian-speaking people in the east of Ukraine are under threat. Right, okay. So, before the invasion of Ukraine, so right at the beginning of this war, Russia made and published a fake video that claimed to show that Ukrainians were going to cause a chemical attack in separatist areas. And that led to this video address, which was telling Russian speakers that they should evacuate eastern Ukraine to Russia. So what was the purpose of these videos? In exercising the treaty on friendship and mutual assistance with the Donetsk People's Republics and Lugansk People's Republics, I've taken the decision to conduct a special military operation. These videos, they were used as a justification to invade. They were used to say that Ukraine is planning a kind of genocide in the east of Ukraine. Its purpose is to protect people who have been subject to abuse and genocide by the Kyiv regime for eight years. And Ukraine is using some banned methods of warfare, like chemical attacks. And this just contributed to a general narrative 
of Putin, who says that uh, Ukraine is led by a Nazi president, who is, by the way, Jewish. And to do this, we will strive to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine, and also bring to justice those who have committed numerous bloody crimes against civilians. Uh, so it was just a justification before the invasion. We'll be back in a moment. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. As a a. 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Eugenia, we've been talking about Russian disinformation and how it relates to the current conflict in Ukraine, but this is not the first time that we've seen these kinds of tactics, things like faked videos and posts. So where does all of this begin? Well, I think we first saw it in 2004 when there was a worst democratic revolution in Ukraine, so-called Orange Revolution. But I think that Russian propaganda machine has been at its highest performance in 2014. Russia annexed Crimea and then invaded uh, Ukraine from the east and created those two self-proclaimed republics. But back then, in 2014, this campaign has not been documented well by Western media. And, uh, you know, Ukraine has been quite alone in this. We were trying to pioneer some fact-checking resources. We were trying to debunk all the fakes appearing. But you could not even imagine how many fakes we had to deal with. And I think it became obvious for the West how propaganda and disinformation campaigns can work in 2016 when during the U.S. elections when Russia has launched a disinformation campaign in order to harm Hillary Clinton and boost the candidacy of Donald Trump. Okay, so that was back in 2016 when we saw this Russian disinformation that was targeted at American voters. But if we look at what's happening now in Ukraine, things like this fake chemical attack video, who is that actually targeted to? Who is the audience now? You know, the way how those videos have been prepared, it doesn't seem that Russia really put any effort in preparing those videos because they have been published by Russian state agencies They have not been published by Western media as any serious news. It looks uh, like those videos were targeted just at the Russian domestic audience. Right. Okay. And so if that is the case, if this is really about convincing Russians at home, is that working? 
Unfortunately, my answer is that yes, it is working. And because Putin has been ruling Russia now for 22 years, and uh, if you live in this atmosphere of propaganda, it's really difficult to keep the ties with reality. You are, you are living in another reality. And that is why I really want to be wrong. But I don't think that any calls to Russians, like you have to protest this war, you have to go in the streets, I don't think that it may stop the war. I know that we can't trust Russian sociology for sure, but still sociological surveys show that Russians do support this war. Basically, disinformation allowed Putin invade Ukraine with the support of the majority of Russian population, and it has a direct impact on the course of this war. Mm. And it's interesting, Eugenia, when you talk about the course of this war, to think that this is really the face of it, because on one hand we have troops and we have tanks on the ground in Ukraine, which is, I suppose, quite a traditional type of warfare. It's what you think about when you think of wars 50 years ago or 100 years ago. But we're also seeing this kind of parallel war playing out on social media. And in a way, the troops and the tanks, that's really a battle for the the territory of Ukraine. But what's happening on social media, that's really about the narrative. That's, That's a battle for the story of what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There is certainly a battleground in, like an information battleground. The Ukrainian government is now treating the information war as a real, real front line. Like, you know, our current president, Volodymyr Zelensky, by the way, he's comedian and showman in the past, so he knows the power of social media. Many say that he's actually an Instagram president, so he really frequently posts on social media to combat any rumors. For instance, there was a rumor that he has left Kyiv, but he didn't. So he immediately just recorded a video showing that he's in the city, he's with, uh, with his people. You know, so in this regard, we can see that social media have downsides and upsides. Upsides is that uh, now we are witnessing a huge uh, mutual support in social media. Uh, it would have been really difficult to keep spirits high without social media in Ukraine. It really makes uh, Ukrainians believe that it is possible to win Russia. In 2014, we have been like battling that and uh, we were really in despair. But now it seems like since the world already realizes the power of disinformation, it really makes it harder for propagandists to deploy disinformation. And I think that critical thinking also improved in the last years that even regular audience uh, sometimes puts some information in doubt and says, okay, we have to check that first. Uh, so it wasn't it wasn't the case some years ago. It's a it's a really recent development. Well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise on on this propaganda and, and disinformation. Um, I really appreciate that, and I also really hope that everything goes okay with your family in Ukraine and that they stay safe. Thank you. Thank you.
As a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Also in the news today, two people have died in Western Sydney after their bodies were discovered in a stormwater canal on Tuesday. New South Wales State Emergency Services say there have been over 2,500 calls for assistance in the last 24 hours, with over 100 rescues of mostly motorists driving through floodwaters. Evacuation orders are in place across the state, including in Kempsey and surrounding communities on the mid-north coast and parts of metropolitan Sydney. Widespread flooding and dangerous weather conditions are set to continue across the state today. And the Australian government has announced further sanctions on Russia. According to a statement released by the Minister for Foreign Affairs, Maurice Payne, the new round of sanctions is targeted at, quote, Moscow's propagandists and purveyors of disinformation who are trying to legitimise Russia's unprovoked, unjustified invasion with false narratives. The announcement comes after the United Nations announced that roughly 1.7 million Ukrainians are believed to have fled the country since the invasion began. The UN believes that number could reach up to 5 million. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.